Oh my god, hi. How oh, how are you getting on? Jeez, <laughs> look, you know me, I'm terrible at getting back to people. So oh, look, oh my god, I am so sorry for the delay, guys. Welcome back to the Red Peak and Ramblers podcast. I'm your host, Keen Dalton, the Red Peak and Rambler. Um it's been a while, hasn't it? It has been a minute. As they say in the States, it has been a minute. Totally my fault. I would not blame ye for one second. I've been blaming ye when I talk to other people. You know, but but it is my fault. So thanks for coming back. If uh, anyone's listening to this, if anyone's uh, joining back in, welcome back. Is this season two? No, it's not. I just took a little sabbatical from the um, the podcast. Things were piling up. Um, college started and that was... Not the busiest, but it's busy enough and other stuff, you know, and just living at home again, it's harder to record. So, guys, what have you been up to? You know, how's, how's, <laughs> is everyone enjoying lockdown too? Electric boogaloo? So, I like, I won't give you all the details of where I've been, but I got involved with a gang that pretends that they're the 1920s Italian mob. So like something from a Dennis Lehan novel, like Gangster Squad, I think that was him. Or Kill by Night or Live by Night or something like that, Ben Affleck. Um, so like they actually, they do kill people. And they have illegitimate dealings. But all well under the guise of like a Prohibition era crime family. Like with Italian origins. They're kind of like, you know... Um, Oh, what was the word I used for them? Like 1920s mob cosplayers who do participate in real crime. So I got involved with them. I'm now trying to get away from them. Dangerous, dangerous people with a love for uh, 1920s. <laughs> 1920s fashion lifestyle. But they do drink. So they weren't consistent. And that really bothered me too. And that was the initial reason why I was like, oh, I kind of don't want to be with the guys. They're not really that consistent. I'm either all in or I'm all out. And I was like, Giuseppe, Marco, Luigi, Don, <laughs> this isn't for me. So I'm on the run. Um, so I'll keep you updated on that. Um, so what have I been up to? So I've d- the blogs and the... Um, yeah, the blogs have still been going anyways, as you can see on the page. I have kind of done a few more sports reviews recently. I'm just trying to broaden the writing a good bit. You know yourself, like, I mean... You know, I'm I'm doing... As I said, I'll talk about college there in a minute, briefly. I'm not going to bore you too much. But, um, yeah, I've been doing a bit of sports writing and stuff, and just match reports, really, like, you know, so just trying to get my uh, eye back in there for sports writing and uh, just writing in general and trying to become more of a fluid writer rather than, I could see in some of my pieces, maybe being a bit kind of, you know, monotone, like just the same length sentences all the time. So there's been that. I've been sharing pages and stuff, you know, and just doing that. I've been uh, doing the uh, Rath Peak and Rambler roundups. I did a few weeks of that, and that'll be coming back um, probably this week, you know, if I if I plan it properly. Because uh, one thing I've decided is I'm not going to start sending stuff out, like videos or even podcasts, if they're not well done and researched. Like this one I've had, this, this podcast, as you can see from the title, is going to be about monologues in movies and cinema and stuff like that. 
um, and a kind of a reintroduction to to me, I suppose, as well, if there's any new listeners. Um, but, you know, like, I'm not going to send out podcasts that aren't well-researched and well-done. Not that I'm claiming that this is a very good <laughs> podcast or podcast series, but you know yourself. But anyways, let's get off those boring fucking details that I always seem to ramble on about and save them for the second breakfast podcast that may or may not come out this Friday if I have my research done. Um, so, as I said, college is going well. I'm actually learning about Audacity. So Audacity, it's a, it's software for your laptop computer that you can edit sounds on and change it to MP3s or whatever you want, you know, and, it, you know, you can layer stuff. So when you hear Rusty Gray coming in, that's me layering him under me talking and stuff, and you can fade stuff in. No, I didn't know you could fade stuff in and out, and I didn't know you could get rid of the kind of background noise as well and kind of clean everything up like for you know so hopefully with um the degree that i'm paying for <laughs> i will be able to produce better sounding podcasts and stuff in the future and hopefully this is one of them and um, but college is going well no we haven't met like i met one girl not met one girl but like i was talking to one girl on the phone for an assignment um she was lovely. Everybody seems lovely on the course so far. You know, everyone seems to take it seriously, which is really good for me because if uh, I'd probably, knowing me and my tendencies, I'd probably slip into not taking it as seriously if other people weren't, um, which I've got to work on too, guys. Next year's New Year's resolutions. Um, but yeah, learning about Audacity, learning about writing and stuff. We've been so I'm doing it part time. So I'm doing two modules instead of the four, and I'm doing news writing and report writing and um, intro to broadcast media, which I love. Like, I mean, I as sure I'm doing this, I absolutely love broadcast media. But it's going well. Hopefully now next year, next semester, see people in the flesh. Um, I'll probably have to change job then, but sure. As you all know, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> Speaking of work, work is going um, fantastic. I love my job. And I love my employers, and I think that they do a great service to the community and um, the spirit of the Irish nation. Read between the lines, sheeple. So other than that, guys, I'm not going to keep you too long today. So we're going to talk about monologues, but about what, what I've been watching recently. And welcome back, and thanks for coming back. If you have come back, now you've missed him over the last few weeks. Here he is again. Needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyways. The Prince of Queens, Rusty Gray. I done seen all of these movies. I done read reviews, but all these other critics leave me less amused. I still need opinions. I'm just messing, dude. But it's gotta come from the projection room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lads, I missed it. I missed that. No, I fu- I fucking missed it. I did. Um, great to hear that again. Um, uh, so, guys, this is going to be about monologues. So, I'm going to talk a bit about monologues and some of my favorite ones, and some of the probably best known ones in cinema. Um, I suppose looking at my selection, they're more modern. You know, from the '90s on, um, there's definitely like there are more monologues in like older movies from like the 60s, 70s, 80s, 100% there is, you know, they were more wordy movies back then, but, um, you know, some of my favorite ones, this is what it's going to be, so, um, if I'll put them all up, I'll put the videos up on Facebook later today, and Twitter, and, um, I'll put screenshots up on Instagram, so, 
you can see which ones and if you have any suggestions i'll put up a little comment box on instagram as well and i'll get back into the social media game of running a semi unsuccessful um blog page in ireland um but first what have i been watching recently so my movie reviews like have kind of taken a hit i haven't been doing many um recently i think the last one i did was enola holmes maybe um, which was an enjoyable movie. I thought, do you know, it wasn't bad. Like, I'd read some kind of differing reviews on it, people kind of not giving out, but people kind of half, you know, saying, did we need another Sherlock Holmes movie? Um, when it wasn't about Sherlock Holmes at all, and there were some fast, fantastic performances from Millie Bobby Brown and other actresses in there, um... You know, I thought, and it was a really uplifting movie for women. I thought, really as well, in a in a in a story, and in a a kind of a universe. I hate saying that, but it's just because Marvel Cinematic Universe makes me think of everything as a cinematic universe now. But like, as the kind of literary and cinematic universe of Sherlock Holmes, you know, women are bit part support characters all the time. You know, in every adaptation. Whereas in this one, you know, they're they're really to the fore and they're they're really important characters and they are the main characters. And you know, to a lesser extent, no, hot topic here, but um not hot topic, but hot take. Will Ferrell and John C. Riley's Sherlock Holmes comedy last year, that was more of an uplifting kind of movie from a female perspective than some other Sherlock Holmes movies, which shall remain nameless, because you have um, Kelly MacDonald as, you know, the villain in the end. Um, You know, the two American actresses are, you know, really important in the movie. And I know it's weird to say that about, like, a Will Ferrell kind of comedy, because those type of comedies are kind of associated with just stupid male humour. But yeah, the female characters do get a good rap, so you know what? I think that's uh yeah, Will Ferrell's Will Ferrell's Sherlock Holmes is a more feminist positive movie than any other Sherlock Holmes production. Now, I'm saying that as someone who has only seen the mainstream productions and movies, so I'm talking out of my fucking hoop at the moment. So if I am talking out of my hoop, which I probably am, let me know, and let me know what Sherlock Holmes productions there are that I should be watching. Um, obviously, no. Obviously, no, guys. I'm not talking about fucking um, that one with Lucy Liu. And, uh, you know, I'm not talking about that one because she's Watson. She's obviously, like, that's a really uplifting one. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, the other ones, okay? Like, that near you nearly fucking caught me there. You nearly got me, guys, but I, you have to be up early to catch me. Because I get up at 11 o'clock in the morning, every morning. Okay. Um, so, I've been watching recently is, I've been, I've, I've kind of fallen out of Umbrella Academy again. I watched the first four episodes of the second season, loved them. And then I did what I do with more series, and I leave them for a few days, and then I see them, and I'm like, oh, I couldn't be arsed now. I could not be arsed. It's the same with um, The Boys on Amazon. I watched the first season. And I watched like the first six episodes and then I didn't watch the other four episodes for about three months. And then I watched them, I loved them. But no, I just couldn't be arsed watching the second season. Because I only watched the first end of the first season there like maybe 
I don't know, a month ago? I have to give it time to breathe, like, you know, I'm, I am a fan of, I am a fan of, um, what you call it, the old style of watching movies, or watching TV shows, like, once a week, or maybe even three times a week could be enough, like, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not the best binge watcher anymore, I, I binge watched Game of Thrones one night, this was when I was about 19, 18, 18, I suppose. I binge-watched Game of Thrones when I watched, like, nearly all of season two in one night. Um, I was up till seven in the morning. And I've never felt as bad in my life, excluding hangovers, that next day. I woke up at, like, one or two. I was like, holy fucking shit. I need a nap. <laughs> um, but I'm not the biggest... And I will binge-watch stuff, but I just prefer watching it once in a while. It takes me a long time to finish TV shows, is what I'm going to say. Um, so I'm going to try and watch more Umbrella Academy today. Um, I've started watching Community. I'm 11 years late to watching Community. It came out in 2009, that series, the first the first series. It is so funny. I don't know how I didn't watch I do, I do remember watching the first episode like in college and thinking, ah, this is okay. But obviously my my comic needs developed over time and now we're met by Community. Um, so I'm really looking for. I'm on like I'm halfway through season one, and I just think it's one of the funniest shows I've watched in a long time. It, it kind of reminds me of New Girl, just those type of silly comedies with just jokes that come out of nowhere. No, I, I, you know, I have read, and I've, I've been, I was aware of Chevy Chase being an asshole. I knew that Donald Glover left on stage. I didn't know that Dan Harmon, the creator, um, left for a season, came back, and I also didn't know that he was. He admitted to sexually harassing one of his staff writers. So it kind of taints the show a bit for me. Like, you know, I mean, I'm still watching and I'm still enjoying it. But a part of me is like, what a dick. Like, he actually came out and admitted it, which is, you know, I mean, where do you draw the line then? Where do I draw the line of like, oh, he's an asshole. But he admitted it and he said he wouldn't have done that if he had respect for women at the time, which he obviously does now. But is it all an act? Because he's not a young man, like, and 2009 was 11 years ago. He's probably in his 30s. Like, it's 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 a tough one. It's, you know, it, it comes back to that, that argument of do you separate the art from the artist? And, like, I feel like if I don't... No, okay, Chris Brown's music was never my music anyways. I was never... Yeah, 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 it was some banger, right, though. But, like, whenever I see, like, Chris Brown... In a song, I was like, "Oh, should I listen to this?" Like, you know, he he beat the shit out of Rihanna. What a fucking piece of shit! Or like, what else? No, who else? Like Dan Harmon. No, should I? You know, a part of me is always going to be like, "Hmm, it's going to be tainted a bit." Like, you know, but is there a bit of hypocrisy there that I won't probably won't listen to Chris Brown's music? Although that's my personal taste, you know. I mean, I'm not gonna watch if Dan Harmon wrote a horror movie. I'm not gonna watch that because I don't like horror movies because I don't like fucking being scared shitless going to bed. I don't know. It's it's tough now. I'm after kind of digging a hole for myself here. I'd say I might get off the topic altogether. But yeah, if you did know that about Dan Harmon, he did. So you make of that what you will. And um, what else did I watch? Oh, I watched Borat Two. Um, Jesus Christ, it's. It's not as good as the first one. It's definitely not as good as the first one, but it is still very funny, and it's more on the nose this time. Whereas the first one, you know, you could be forgiven 
who are just laughing at the stupid jokes, whereas this one, you're like, oh, he's he's literally taking the piss out of America every chance he gets. So, like, in this movie, it's a direct lead-on from Borat 1, where he, he goes home, he's after making a laughing stock of uh, Kazakhstan, and he's put into work in a gulag, and the start of this movie, he gets taken out um, of the gulag, and he's sent to America to bring a gift to Michael Pence, to um, uplift the nation of Kazakhstan and make them a world power again, or something like that. So he goes home first to his old old village, and he 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 turns out he has a daughter, and the daughter stows away on his um, ship, the ship he's on, not his ship, the ship he's on to go to um, to go to America, and they end up going on this kind of journey <laughs> adventure together of just. You know, similar to Borat 1, where he goes to, you know, that house. It's the Christian house, I think he goes to in, in the first Borat. Or, like, he goes into the B&B, and it turns out that they're Jewish in the in the, in the the um in the bed and breakfast. In this one, like, he goes in, he actually goes into a, a mosque or a temple or, or whatever and goes in and dressed as, like, a stereotypical Jew trying to pass as a, as a Jew. Oh, it's shocking, like, you know, but it is that same humor as the first one. Um, I think everybody knows this stage about um, the the scene with Rudy Giuliani, um, Trump's lawyer and former mayor of New York City, uh, former mayor of New York, rather. Um, yeah, so that 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 does. And it's actually worse. Like, if you're like me and you squipe, you scroll past kind of videos and stuff like that. um if you're like me, and don't really go into the videos and just kind of look, oh, Jesus, Rudy Giuliani, because I'm kind of getting sick of American news, to be honest. Like, it doesn't affect me while I'm in Ireland, which it probably isn't the best way to be, but sure, look, that's who I am. Um, I Watching it was actually cringeworthy, like, and, uh, you know, Rudy Giuliani is doing an interview with uh, Borat's daughter, who is, um, is 24 in real life, but in the movie, she's passed as 15. And... No, she never says to Rudy Giuliani her age or anything. You know, I mean, she never says, oh, I'm 15 or anything. So he thinks he's getting on with this young, attractive reporter asking him questions about the coronavirus and all this. And um, they go into the bedroom and he fiddles with, like, his pants and stuff. Now, he has come out and said that he was just tucking in his shirt after taking off his mic, but unless he had another fucking mic that was down his pants that he was grabbing, that's not what he was doing. You know, it is it is, uh, is kind of hard to watch that scene. But the, the whole movie in general, I would I'd recommend it. If you enjoy Borat 1, you'll enjoy this. You know, if you enjoy Sasha Baron Cohen's characters, you'll enjoy this. You know, it. but the thing is, it's not as good as the first one. Just if that's any important to you. It shouldn't, but if that's of importance to you, then, you know. But it's on Amazon Prime. And the last thing, or the, not the last thing, but the most recent thing I watched is uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7. I watched it last night, and the reviews of Borat and Chicago 7, they'll be up on the blog today or tomorrow, um, or during the week. Uh, the Trial of Chicago 7 is a brilliant movie. I, it is a it is a fantastic movie. Um, I You know, since watching it, I, I usually go on Twitter or I go on IMDb and read reviews and stuff and see what people thought. Not to kind of change my own opinion, but just to say, like, you know, what do people in general think? Um, 
I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was fantastic. I thought, like my brother said to me, he's like, gee, you could watch this all night. It was told, the way it was told was was really, really good. So in 1968, there were um, riots in Chicago. There was marches and the police came and the marches and there was riots between the police and the um, peaceful protesters, let's say. And seven protesters were put on the stand to be tried for inciting violence by crossing state lines so coming from all over the country and going to Chicago to incite violence against the police and also then Bobby Seale who was the chairman of the Black Panthers was on trial for it as well uh, separate from the Chicago 7 so the initial montage is like all eight of these characters um talking and you know deciding on why they're going to uh chicago and why they're going to go uh, protest and peacefully protest and just to be there you know that you have to be in the thick of it is what i think bobby seal says and then it cuts to they're on trial the next year 1969 they're on they're on trial but then it, it's told through flashbacks and witness testimonies from there and then it's told through like you know it's it's brilliant um it has a fantastic cast so yeah yeah um, Abdul Mateen, you know him from us, and he's he's had a really good, he's had a really um, strong career rise now since us, I think, and probably before as well. But that's the first thing I saw him in. Um, he's fantastic as Bobby Seal. Um, Mark Rylance is um, the main defense attorney. He's brilliant. Um, Eddie Redmayne is there as Tom Hayden. He's very good. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen plays Abby Hoffman. He's fantastic. He's such a good, serious actor, but he, you know, he brings a bit of comedy to it as well. And um, Jeremy Strong, who you you'd know as Kendall from Succession, is um, this guy Reuben, another protester who's on the stand. He's hilarious. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything, but just go watch it. It's it's fantastic. It's two hours and ten minutes, and I was like, geez, that could be long now, but it actually it flies. It's just done so well it flies i have seen online like on twitter some guy was putting up like so aaron sarkin is the director and apparently he reuses dialogue from um like his shows the newsroom and um the west wing and sunset 60 what is it on the sunset you know um matthew perry was in it um on the sunset strip or some studio 60 on the sunset strip sorry yeah so he does reuse dialogue a lot, but I haven't watched any or enough of those shows to care. So if that's if that would annoy you, he does reuse dialogue a lot. I've seen the videos where he reuses strips of dialogue and jokes from different shows, but who gives a shit really? Like, I mean, you know, there are criticisms of yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen's appearance. Not his not of his uh, performance, but of his lack of appearance in it after so Bobby Seale was not part of the Chicago 7, but he was there tried basically because he was being discriminated against by this judge who was played by Frank Langella, um, who does such a good performance of playing that shithead judge that I just wanted to beat the shit out of him. Like I was like, if I see Frank Langella ever in my life walking around, I'm going to pop him in the back of the head. Like, you fucking leave Bobby Seale alone. Like, shouldn't have done. 
any I don't think I did much of an accent there but I'm sorry if I did that is terrible but people were criticizing that after Bobby Seale was um Bobby Seale's trial was declared a mistrial um he's not seen in the film again and I know the film is about the Chicago 7 but they should have done and and could have done a follow-up scene with Bobby Seale no unless there's a deleted scene out there but it should have been in the final cut um, but just brilliant performances all around, and the way it is told is brilliant. Um, the only kind of criticism I have, or not criticism, I would say, but um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays the prosecuting attorney. And um, I don't know, is it me, you know, but I think he's just been phoning it in in his last few performances. He was in that... Um, he was in that action movie that came out there. I can't remember the name, but I, I definitely... I think I did a review on it on my blog um where the the new drugs come into um oh, I think it's called super or something like that where it's him and Jamie Fox and he's a cop who's trying to stop the the influx of this drug coming into the city that's giving people different superpowers you know but he he was phoning it in that definitely and I think he was phoning it in in this as well like he's not not that he's not believable but like he's this prosecutor who's struggling with the case the whole time not not struggling with the case but struggling with his part in the case and whether he's doing the right thing and then at the end he stands up and gives this symbolic gesture of standing with the defendants and it means fucking nothing and it's it was just maybe it was the way he was used in this that i was like i just did not enjoy that performance you know it was virtue signaling definitely it was like He's trying to, you know, trying to say like, oh, well, the prosecution wasn't all bad. When no, not all the prosecution is ever all bad. But in this case, 99% of them were dicks, including Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. So maybe that's my only criticism. And there's fuck all women in the movie as well. Like, I'm sure there was more female players in the actual story, but not told here from Sorkin. But I, I think I've heard that as a criticism of his as well. So, I would definitely watch it though. It's very easy to watch. Very, very good film. Um, so, I've fucking rambled on enough about that. But let's get on to monologues, guys. Um, so, monologues... I think everyone knows the most famous monologue in the world is... To Be or Not To Be. Hamlet. Is it Act 3, Scene 1 or something like that? To Be or Not To Be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer sings and arrows or something outrageous fortune I think but so a monologue is a long speech given by one actor uninterrupted as part of a play or a film so uninterrupted is probably the thing that I would that I would kind of hone in on there there are some fantastic um, performances of like long speeches that are interrupted every once in a while by other characters they don't qualify as monologues unfortunately so a monologue has to be uninterrupted so i've done a few examples of my favorite ones um but as i said the most famous is from hamlet all of shakespeare there's you know probably hundreds of monologues in his plays um but some of my favorites and i've played this one on the um podcast before is uh the introduction of v from v for vendetta the movie so v for vendetta is a movie about a dystopian england i think is it set the year 2020 as well 
I think I saw that in line recently, but um, where a virus has wiped out um, the majority of the world, I think, and England is now under a fascist dictatorship, and there's curfews, there's um, police, they're called the fingermen, that they'll get you if you're out um, beyond curfew, and any kind of any kind of outspokenness against the government is met with abductions and killings and riots and stuff. So, I mean, if you're thinking, geez, that sounds a lot like where we are fucking now, you'd be dead right. But here is um, the intro scene to V Vendetta. Um, Hugo Weaving plays V Vendetta. Absolutely unbelievable. And I've played this on the podcast before, but here it is again because I love it so much. Voila! In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. The only verdict is vengeance, a vendetta held as a votive not in vain, for the value and veracity of such shall one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous. <laughs> Verily, this vicious soise of verbiage veers most verbose, so let me simply add that it's my very good honor to meet you, and you may call me V. Ah, oh, that is fantastic, to be fair. Um, so the second one is... Uh, Lord of the Rings. This is a considerably shorter now, but this is Aragorn at the Battle of Mordor, just before um, the lads try and take on all the orcs and divert attention away from Frodo and Sam with the ring. So uh, this, I watched the, watched the Helm's Deep there the other night, and um, or the the two towers watched the Battle of Helm's Deep. So so good. I absolutely love Lord of the Rings. Um, lockdown has been great for my Lord of the Rings viewing. I've probably missed out on it the last year or so. And then the first lockdown, I watched all three, and I'm probably going to do the same in this lockdown. So yay, lockdown. Um, So here is Aragorn at the Battle of Mordor. And this is a really, this is almost like, I did, I was going to put in Braveheart and William Wallace's speech. But I think Aragorn's, I just, I prefer it. So here we go. Here is Aragorn. Hands of Gondor! I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West! Abs- stirring. Stirring stuff. I abs- I would follow Aragorn. I'd follow Viggo Mortensen into battle. If Viggo Mortensen came out in the lash, now in Cork City, and he saw a group of lads, he said, let's go fuck them up. I was like, but Viggo... This is your only night in Cork City. Why would you want to go fight? And it's like, they fucking looked at me when I was on the dance floor. They were making me feel 
ashamed of my dancing. I was like, let's go fucking fuck him up. So Vigo, Vigo Mortensen, lad. Um, yes, I would die for Vigo Mortensen. So the next one is A Few Good Men, Jack Nicholson's speech in this movie. I remember watching this movie, um, maybe. Jesus, it's a long time ago when I, when I first watched it. But I had heard of, like, being kind of enraptured by a performance. Um, but this is maybe the first time, because I'll always remember watching this. Uh, I haven't watched the movie since. Not out of it being any bad, but just because. But it is so, so good. Um, just listen for yourselves. This is Jack Nicholson is on the stand. Tom Cruise is, Tom Cruise is um, interrogating him. Trying, he's cross-examining him, trying to get him to admit that he let or he let or ordered the killing of uh, of a, a soldier. Um, air, uh, that starts the movie going. So just watch it. Just listen to this. It is so so good. It's it's absolutely brilliant. You can't handle the truth, son. We live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's gonna do it? You, you, Lieutenant Weinberg. I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know, that Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. There's another man now I'd go into battle for. Um, so, next up now we have um, Viola Davis in Fences. Uh, this is definitely, this is probably the most emotionally charged one we have here. This would rival now Jack Nicholson's for the best delivered monologue. Um... I have here now because it's just so so good it's just fantastic it just shows not the bitterness but the resentment that can build up in people when they're not being appreciated and taken for granted especially in really really harsh unforgiving circumstances and it's just fantastic like Viola Davis is definitely one of the best actresses of the last I'm gonna say 10 10 years she's gotten more and more popular in the last 10 years she's been around for a long longer time obviously but definitely in the last 10 years she's been she's definitely risen her star has risen but and she's definitely one of the best in the last 10 years um so i have a listen it's to this this is a long one this is about two minutes but it's definitely worth it for 18 years well, i've been standing with you i've been right here with you troy i got a life too I gave 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. Don't you think I ever wanted other things? Don't you think I had dreams and hopes? What about my life? What about me? Don't you think I ever crossed my mind to want to know other men that I wanted to 
lay up somewhere and forget about my responsibilities, then I wanted someone to make me laugh so I could feel good. You're not the only one who's got wants and needs, but I held on to your toy. I took all my feelings, my wants and needs and dreams, and I buried them inside you. I planted a seed and watched and prayed over. I planted myself inside you and waited to bloom. It didn't take me no 18 years to realize the soil was hard and rocky and it wasn't never gonna bloom. But I held on to you, Troy. I held you tighter. You was my husband. I owed you everything I had, every part of me I could find to give you. And upstairs in that bedroom with the darkness falling in on me, I gave everything I had to try and erase the doubt that you wasn't the finest man in the world. And wherever you was going, I was going to be there with you because you was my husband. Because that's the only way I was going to survive is your wife. You're always talking about what you give and what you don't have to give. But you take two, Troy. Yeah, that is fantastic. Um, finally, the, I was going to put this up as well. I was going to put this on the podcast, but it takes so long to listen to it because of the way it's delivered. It's Lupita Nyong'o in Us as Red, you know, as, as the shadow the shadow character, like the shadow girl, the shadow woman. Um, so I'm going to put that one on Facebook as well. Um, just because it's a fantastic monologue and you're just your 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 fucking your attention is caught is wrapped for the whole delivery and it's terrifying but it would be for four minutes on the podcast and i'm like i don't know is, is that worth it for you guys you definitely skip that like because it just goes on for so long so i'm going to put that one up on on facebook and twitter and instagram or whatever so keep an eye out for that later but that's it lupita nyong'o win the shadow kind of family come and 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 they're in the in the um house with them and they're trying to like telling them what actually happened if you haven't seen us go watch it try and find it um go rent it online or something it's absolutely unreal jordan peele second kind of horror movie it's just fan fan fucking tastic um, and then I, I talk locally so um if you're from cork or from ireland in general or from America, it doesn't matter where you're from, um, but if you're from Cork, you'll definitely have heard of Cahoots, CC Cahoots, Cahoots, whatever they're called, but they're Cahoots anyways, it was a, a trio, a Cork comedy uh, trio, of made up of Laura Mahoney, uh, Dominic McHale, and Tyke Hickey, and they had a show on RTE called The School, which... Um, it only ran for one season, I'm not sure if... because um, I have seen Tyke on on Twitter kind of talk about how bad the experience working with RT was. So I'm not sure if that went well. No, the show was, was really good. I really love it. I'd love to see more of it. But they they were prolific online for a number of years. Their sketches were fantastic. And they had a podcast on Red FM or on Red Extra. It was unbelievable. Um Laura Mahoney knows on Red FM. Uh Tyg is touring his own show and doing his own comedy stuff on Twitter and Dominic McHale is kind of acting more. He was act. He's he's the um, Sergeant Hickey, I think, in the Young Offenders. No, I saw uh, was it Dominic McHale and Laura Mahoney in the uh, the Adult Panto last year. It was so so funny. Um, I listened to the Marion play on the Everyman website, and they had rehearsed readings of 
the plays and one was Marion where Laura Mahoney starred as Marion Tyg Hickey was a number of characters and um, it was just brilliant and I actually I actually I will write a review of that so people can know about it for when it might come back because it's just fantastic but um, Tyg Hickey is probably one that I would follow the most just because he's very active on Twitter he's very funny and he's very honest and he put out a, or not he put out, but he brought out his uh, one-man show, In One Eye, Out the Other. Um, was it last year or the year before, I suppose? Um, and it did well at all the kind of comedy festivals and stuff. Um, myself and Katie went to see it in, myself and Katie went to see it in Newbridge, in, in Kildare, when I was living in Kildare. Or no, I wasn't living in there at that stage, but I was just up for the weekend, but it was absolutely unbelievable it was so so good i wrote a review of it then and then it was actually online um just this saturday gone it they did live stream from everyman from not not from the everyman from smock alley to actually you could watch it and myself and my mom watched it again in my second time seeing my mom was watching it it was absolutely brilliant again very honest uh very funny you know his his character main character fergal is obviously you know just a basket case of emotions but telling it through jokes and stories and just fantastical scenarios that are brilliant but i talked to ty is is very you know i have a lot of time for for ty in general because he took the time to respond to me now i'm not saying if you never responded to me on twitter you know i wouldn't have time for you because i don't write to many people on twitter because I'm not the best at the old social media game. Like I, I will scroll through Twitter mindlessly for hours and hours, but I'm terrible at actually u- utilizing it for my page, but um, or my blog and my my uh, my podcasts and stuff. But hopefully that'll change. Maybe maybe one day. But I wrote Tig and I asked him and I said, "Would you could could I class your play?" as a series of monologues and he actually said yes he got back and said yeah that he was talking to i think his director about it and that it would actually be classed as a monologue style play um so i don't know when it's going to be out again i probably should have brought this podcast out last week if people were going to listen and if they wanted to to go in on the um the live stream but um keep an eye out on Ty hickey's page he's on uh, he's on twitter as Ty hickey um He's hilarious. He puts up sketches there, but his play, In One Eye and Out the Other, In One Eye, Out the Other, not In One Eye and Out the Other, In One Eye, Out the Other, is just absolutely unbelievable. It's a fantastic, fantastic um, play, one-man show. You will enjoy it. If you get to see it, it might come out in another live stream, maybe um, in another lockdown, in another lockdown. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ, what a depressing existence we lead. Um, So that was... That so that's the last thing I want to say about monologues was a lot of plays, one man shows or one woman shows are actually series of monologues in different acts and stuff. So you know if you do like one woman shows, you're actually a big fan of the old monologues, one one person shows whatever. So um, that is monologues, guys. Um, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um. I apologize for being away so long. Sorry, I moved away from the mic there. Apologize for being away so long uh, with, you know, just in general of um, kind of getting to grips with college and stuff. So this is me, you know, saying once a week from now on. And 
hopefully now I'll have another Epic Ramblers Roundup on Friday and possibly a second breakfast podcast in the next few weeks as well. Um, another thing I want to try, you know, this time around is I'm going to try and push um, Irish and local musicians and artists. I want to promote them at the end of the podcast. I'm under no illusions that I, that I'm not, I don't have that many followers or listeners and hopefully now I'll get a good few listeners in my first one back but I'm going to start putting musicians Irish local and Irish local local and Irish musicians on um at the end of the podcast so this week is going to be my good friend Meg McGuire Megan Alley Music check her out on Spotify and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube she's recently started the under the bridge sessions so I might get a few of these um you know, play a few of those songs um, at the end of my podcast. But I'm going to play one of hers first because um, she's tremendously hardworking and sure, why not? I might as well promote her. Me and Meg have one of those wonderful friendships where um, I'll be so positive about her and promote her uh, behind her back and then to her face we'll mock the shit out of each other. It's just absolutely, it's a beautiful friendship, beautiful friendship. Um, but this is um, this is Meg's song, Far Offshores. Um, I'm definitely going to play her song, Men, 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 one week. But Far Offshores, first of all, because it's such a beautiful song. So here we go, it's Far Offshores. And guys, have a fantastic week. Keep the heads up. If anybody needs to talk, I'm here. And let me know what you've been watching. All right? Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. driving in your car, staring at the open road ahead, looking at the sky above and asking. Where do I go next? Then you see a sign You realize You're free to roam But the road in green anchor old Is calling you home And then you turn around and smile at me You say you have to go The road is calling me but before I go, sing me one last song to send me on my way to far off shores, where the horse runs wild and free. To far off shores, where the trees catch to the sea. To far off shores, where the robin flies to me. As you look behind to say goodbye You see the tears within my eyes You hold me close and softly say I must be on my way And as you turn around they finally see Just how much you really mean to me But your work here is done like the setting sun And it's time for you to go Too far
Sometimes I wander down the path that I know you have treaded in the past. I see the shiny sails on the horizon. I can't help but think of you. And as the wind whispers through the trees, I know that soon again. 